lot of time. Corner road for Moore. Got it. Touchdown, even with the flags. Second touchdown toss from Mike Riley in this second quarter. Restore the Roar is a podcast hosted by Michael Ball and features Lions broadcaster and former quarterback Julio Caravana. Each week, this duo will tackle issues involving the BC Lions and the CFL. In each installment, they'll also highlight a player, coach, or builder at the amateur level in the province and take a trip down memory lane in the Lions Legends segment. Now, here's Ballsy. All right, here with one of the best color men in the business anywhere in any sport, Julio Caravada, who is uh, joining me from Vancouver. Of course, I'm in Regina, but we're talking BC Lions football. You're kind of choked. You you waited till the end of training camp yeah. to go up there because, that, like we talked about last time we chatted, our mentality is we don't get excited too early in camp. No preseason. You wanted to settle in and see the guys. And then, then because of the smoke, you only got to see one practice. Now, my question to you is, did they get enough evaluation done? Did they get enough work done at training camp? Well, I, you know, I mean, everybody that I talked to, they felt like they did, right? Uh, you know, I think it was a little bit different, like uh, talking to everybody up there about the way they kind of went into camp. I think guys were much more prepared, I think, because of the, you know, of the delay and because of COVID, um, all the Zoom meetings and those kinds of things. I, I get the sense that the players were, much more prepared. There wasn't maybe as much learning of the playbook as there was, um, you know, the need to get out on the field and actually physically go over the stuff. So, you know, it's an unfortunate, uh, you know, uh, from a personal standpoint, like you said, going up there late, I was hoping that, you know, the team would pretty much be picked and, you know, you'd be get to see those final practices before they headed home. But um, I think that they probably see this maybe as a blessing and the fact that they'd probably be able to get those guys off their feet, get them very well rested, and uh, you know, heading into the you know the, a big week, right? This is this is game prep week. Uh, you're getting ready for a real opponent. So um, you know, it, it, it was a bit of different training camp, but uh, I'm excited about. Uh, you know, getting on the road and seeing what this team can do for, for for real on the field. It's been over eighteen months. Are you rusty or what? Yourself? Are you rusty? I'm, well, you know, my best part, uh, Ballsy, is that I, I've been talking to you. So I, I feel like at least I've been talking some football. That's good. So uh, you know, I mean, it's uh, yeah, you know, I mean, it's it's going to be it's for everybody, right? It's going to be it's going to be uh, you know a little bit of a you know I think a learning curve and and a little bit of rust, but uh, I'm just excited and and again I I think I'm really fortunate in the sense that one we're going to be able to do football again, but the most important thing too is you're gonna I'm going to go on the road to probably the best place to go watch football in in Regina. And, uh, you know, and see those fans, you know, probably as excited as anybody to see football. Sold out in full throat. It's going to be a sold out joint. So that's a good, that's a good litmus test. Yeah. I mean, it's always a difficult place to play, but you're right. Um, You know, there, it is going to be, you know, a very, very good test. And and again, this is a team you got to remember in 2019, it didn't win a game versus the West. They were 0-10. Yeah. Um, So, you know what? Uh, and, and, And the other part of this too is that, I think there's a lot of pressure too for the Lions. You know, they don't play at home until the third week, August, August 19th. I think their first two games are on the road. They, you know, what better, what better advertisement than there is, you know, leading up to that game than going on the road and winning a couple of games or at least being entertaining. Um, they've got a lot to prove. They coming off a five and thirteen season. 
They've got a new coaching staff, a lot of new players, and um, you know, hopefully that translates to you know to some exciting football. It's everything you want for the first week of football. I mean, I can't wait. This is outstanding. This is outstanding. <laughs> it is. It is. You know, and you just think about you know the journey that everybody's gone on, right? Like yeah. this is not just about football. This is about everybody, and and we continue to go on, right? This is still not over, but you know we're out of we're out of a big chunk of it, and. Um, you know, I mean, for, for the fans, for everyone who gets to go back to work and, and, um, you know, the, the, the fact of going to a live event, um, and just a place that already, um, is a fantastic place to watch and, and, and be a part of a football game. Uh, I can see how the excitement's growing and growing and, and, uh, like I said, uh, I just can't wait to get there. Well, I'll tell you what, the Riders probably in a normal year would be, uh, decisive favorites, but I don't think they are that much. You know, we talked about the BC Lions offensive line. You win the, I don't care what anybody says. You could talk skill positions, quarterbacks. We've talked about this before many times, Julio. Make your quarterback safe. Make the other quarterback unsafe or uncomfortable. I think the Riders offensive line is at least as much a question mark as the BC Lions offensive line going into this one. Well, you know what? Actually, you know what I would say is that from an offensive line standpoint, I think the Lions... You know, although they, they, you know, everyone looks at that sack figure from 2019 and 58 sacks. Well, you know, the one thing you got to remember about sacks is that there is, there, is, there is a portion of that that belongs to the offensive line. But there's also a portion of that that belongs to running backs, and there's also a portion that belongs to quarterbacks. Now, I think heading into the second half of 2019, they were much, much better with Kelly Bates as their coach. You think about what they, where their weakness was. Their weakness was at that right tackle spot. They had a tough time finding somebody. Well, you go out and get Riker Matthews, who was an all-star in the East with Hamilton. He solidified that one side. I also think, too, they got Suk Chung playing right guard, who was hurt right from the get-go in that season and played through injury, and it really hurt him because he was not the same player. And so I think he comes back. Um, as a guy who's who's very motivated to prove that he's still the uh, the lineman that everyone saw him in Winnipeg, so mm-hmm. I think their offensive line is 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 pretty good. Where I would where I would say for me um, the concern would be for the Lions is on the other side of the ball because you got a couple of things. You got one that J.R. Tavai, who came over as a free agent from Ottawa, is the only guy with CFL experience on that defensive line. Now, you think about that, Ballsy. They're going to dress probably a minimum of six, most likely seven defensive linemen. Six of them, six of them are going to be new to the CFL. Okay, let me stop you. Now, so let me stop you. Why, number one, why unload Casher then and, like, cut him? And then if you're going to get rid of him, why not trade him? Because uh, he'd probably be a commodity somewhere around the league. Well, yeah, but, Mike, no, no, no one's picked him up. That's Has true. anybody picked him up? No, I, I didn't see that. That's true. No, yeah, you know, I mean, you know, I, I agree with you, but I, I, that those are venues that they have for sure looked at. You know, I mean, they probably yeah, they're not dumb. They're they, not dumb. Yeah, yeah. And so it, what it, what it says to me though, and again, I only saw one practice, but I will say that I saw about six or seven young defensive linemen. This is the first time in a long time I've been doing this a long time that I've seen that kind of depth. Really? Now, now, does it translate into a game? Right. You've got, you've got some young guys who are fast, who are athletic, who are versatile, who can play inside, who can play outside. Sure, everyone's going to say, whoa, yeah, that's a big question mark, blah, blah, blah. Now, from the Saskatchewan side of it, right, you think to yourself, oh, they've got, they're going to dress six young guys, blah, 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 blah. Well, the unfortunate part is for Saskatchewan, 
how do you, how do you know what you got? Yeah. Who do you know? Who 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 are you going up against? You don't know. And sometimes going up against the unknown is just as bad, right? So yeah. you know, and, I mean, and they can ride, play both ways. And on the rider side of things, you got no Charleston Hughes anymore. Freddie Bishop, who was supposed to be the replacement, blew his Achilles. One of uh, four riders that did it in six minutes. They had five in total because yeah. they had the uh, they had the Hill guy that was supposed to you know be in there and was doing well in camp, and then he wrecks his uh, Achilles too, which is unbelievable. So the riders had five Achilles blown in camp. You have a wow. no you have no Cameron Judge anymore. He's gone to Toronto. Uh, you had Larry Dean in the middle, but he blew his Achilles. So I mean, there's a lot of questions marks for the Saskatchewan sure. Rough Riders too in the front seven, so that's uh, something to watch if you you're know, a BC and, Lions fan. And, yeah, and and here's the thing: this is going to be the interesting part because I think you you know you could tell me more, but you know from a skill position wise, mm-hmm. you know halfbacks, you know uh, 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 you know the 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 receivers, the running backs. I think we, we, there's a lot of talent across the board, but it's the it's it's the unknown. I think inside. Are those is that offensive line for Saskatchewan going to be able to contain a young group of of newbies that are you know going to be flying around trying to and they're going to be trying to figure things out and are the Lions going to be able to protect Mike Riley and it's all on the interior part of the line of scrimmage that I think it, 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 this game is going to be won because you look at the skill positions and you look at you know across the board on both sides you, you, you've got guys that have been in the league that everyone knows who they are. Um, you might have the odd guy here or there, but for the most part, they've got experience everywhere else. So it's going to be a very, very interesting chess match. And again, no film. That's no key. That's, that's key right yeah. there. Yeah, no film, nothing that you can go on. And, you know, Mina, hey, you ask a player, one thing about football is they love to watch film. They love to watch it because it gives you an idea of what you're going up against, right? You get a You get a visual. You can say, hey, this is what his tendencies are. This is what you, you'll watch three, four games of the guy. But when you play against a guy that you don't know and you're thinking, what's he going to bring? What, what does he do on first down? What does he do on second down? When he lines up in this position, how does he react? All those kinds of things. It's going to be a real interesting chess match early on because, hey, if I'm Saskatchewan, what do I want to attack? I'm going to attack, you know what, six new guys up front. Yep. And who, and, but at the same time, what are you attacking? You don't know. You don't know where they're going to line up. You don't know how they're going to play. You have no idea. Sure, you're going to go back and you're going to say Rick Campbell likes to do this, and that's probably a pretty safe thing to do. But you also aren't going to see the same kind of guys that you've seen in the league. So it becomes a little bit of a of a guessing game, and guys who play up front, they don't like to guess, right? They no, like to right. know what they're up against, right? Yeah, and I, I'm looking forward to uh, what kind of offense the Lions run. Do they have bubble screens? Do they get the ball out of Mike Riley's hand quicker with uh, Misimic yeah. being the uh, offensive coordinator? Then on the other side, you got Jason Moss now in Saskatchewan working for the first time in a game with Cody Fajardo. How fluid will that be? Will it be disjointed? Like, I, I don't know that we could see an exciting game at the same time an ugly game, if you know what I mean. Yeah, no, you're you're right, and and again because of the fact that both teams never got any preseason, so I think from an offensive standpoint, you're going to see very similar, right? Because Jason Moss and Jordan McKissick, those guys, they're they're cut from the same cloth, right? They Jordan was there for a long time, mm-hmm. they had Mike, so you know what you're going to get off it. They're going to get the ball out of his hands. They're going to use multiple sets. They're going to try to you know to to take the pressure off of their offensive line by give, getting rid of the football. Now. The question is going to be execution. It's all good. It's all well and said but that you want to do that. Now it's about going out and doing it. So I'll say from the Lions' standpoint, 
one of the things that I think that they lacked was they did not have anything really. They had a couple of pieces that would complement Brian Burnham, but you bring in Dominic Grimes, who had over a thousand yards with the Ottawa Red Blacks in 2019 with a team that struggled at quarterback, that struggled at quarterback, and he still had over a thousand yards. I think that's going to provide for a, a, a great vertical threat downfield, and we know Mike Riley likes to throw the ball deep. The other big part of their offense, I think, well, Shaq Cooper could be a big part of that and is going to provide that running back, but is Lucky Whitehead. Yeah, Lucky right, Whitehead right. has looked fantastic mm-hmm. in training. Every single person I've talked to said, wow, this guy is the real deal. So now he's coming into, you know, I mean, into his own and the fact that, you know, everyone kind of, he caught kind of people off guard. It was new to the league. You know, he was, you know, he tried to probably figure it out where he fit in and coming to a new team now, but I think he knows the CFL. He knows what it's all about. And everybody has said, man, this guy is the real deal. So um, I'm excited for their, their offense. I think that their offense is going to be, you know, if they, they keep Mike Riley upright, and I think they will, um, they, they've got a lot of ways they can hurt you. Well, G. Roy Simon told me uh, on, a, on an earlier uh, Restore the Roar uh, in the Legend segment that, hey, Wally Buono always preached this, and he believes in it too. When I played with the Lions, he said, we brought in Arlen Bruce the third to balance the field, and we needed to find somebody to balance the field for Brian Burnham. Yeah. So that might be exactly what you just, exactly just, right. uh, just described there. Okay, over-under win total, seven for the BC Lions this year. What are you, what are you going? Over. Over? Over. Okay, so what do you see the record as in a 14-game schedule? Uh, in a 14-game schedule, uh, I'm going to say 8-6. and six. That's what I had him at, 8-6. and six without, And we never talked before. That's what I had him at, 8-6 yeah. eight, eight and six and right in the mix for the playoffs. Okay? Yeah. So, so this game here, I've got the BC Lions. Now, truth be told, I'm a, I'm a rider-based guy, but I, I mean, like I said, I like covering the Lions. That's why I'm doing this. But I get the Lions by 10. Ooh. On the road. On the road by ten. Wow. I really do. I think wow. the I think the Riders have more question marks. I think the biggest loss in the off season for any team, Cameron Judge. Yeah, he was a very very because good Solomon because Solomon Alamimian, the former Lions, gone too. So you lost two guys in the middle of that defense. Then you yeah. lose Charleston Hughes, and and I'll tell you what, I think the Riders have the best secondary in the CFL. But like you talked about in an earlier installment. You can't cover guys for nine seconds. No, no, you can't. Well, and the other thing, too, is that this is the interesting part, is that you talk about, obviously, losing Judge and, uh, and losing Solly, but, you know, getting Larry Dean, and then I, I would think people would have said, hey, listen, there, there's not much of a drop-off there, right? Larry Dean was, nope. is a hell of a middle linebacker. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to lose him to injury, I'm wondering how much, the, like, mentally, what's happened to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and their injuries how much that's going to play on them, right? Like, mm-hmm. it, they, th- those, those are some impact players that they lost. And if they come out and start to struggle, you know what I mean? Like, they're not, they're not clicking on defense because, you know, they're not getting the upfield pressure. Um, you know, the, the fact you lose, uh, you know, Bishop, who's a, who's a solid mm-hmm. outside rush guy, and you lose Larry Dean. And you know what I'm, you know what I'm trying yeah. to say? Like, they're, yeah. they're, 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 the mentality behind losing a lot of guys to injury um, you know, it, it, it can wear a team down psychologically because you, I think everybody knows, right? The, the reality is you cannot lose three defensive starters, right? And think to yourself, oh, it's not going to hurt us. No, absolutely gonna, not. There, there's going to be an effect, right? There, there has to be. And the riders, there, that's why they're starters. And the riders will be under pressure because uh, we talk. I've talked about this a long time. You can't. 
a lot of times that early season equity, like in a regular CFL um, season, you'll lose a game in June and you'll say, oh, we got lots of season or you'll lose a game in July. Oh, we got lots of season. Season doesn't start till Labor Day. But then you look back and you say, if we would have won that game and we would have won that game, maybe we've got yeah. a playoff. You, But especially this year, the Riders open up with a home heavy schedule. They only play one home game in the last five weeks. So they got to get off to a pretty good start. You got to win yeah, some of those home games. You're right, and, and, and it's, and it's going to be like you say, once we get, you cannot get off to a poor start. And then, like you say, once you get into September, right, you've got to start rolling, right? You, you, uh, it's going to be one of those things that, uh, like you say, you've got to make hay when you can make hay. And for the Lions, at the very, very least, starting on the road in Saskatchewan and then going on the road in Calgary, you've got to be at best one-on-one, one-on-one heading into your home opener. So, um, you know what I mean? It's going to be very, very interesting because – of the way the season is set up and the way that training camp was set up, that there, there was no preseason. Yeah. You know, I don't care what anyone says. You can put people into competitive situations in practice and blah, blah, blah. It's not the same. It is just not the same. So for me, um, you know, it's going to take some teams a little bit of, of uh, you know, getting, getting into that game speed and, and finding their groove. But, you know, I mean, you can't afford to, to, to wait two or three weeks to find your groove because you can find yourself two or three games behind everybody. Mm-hmm. So it's, there's, there's going to be a lot of pressure, and um, it's going to be very, very interesting to see how teams come out and, 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 uh, and how they're going to play because all those expectations that everyone has for every team, because everyone thinks that they're going to be that much better and, um, you know, we're going to be right there. Uh, you know, a lot of things can happen. Injuries happen. Um, yeah. You know, you, things just start. You know, I've seen it slide away on teams. The Lions in 2019 are a perfect example. You know, I mean, they didn't have that bad a team. But all of a sudden, you start to struggle with confidence. You start to struggle. You start to question. You start all that stuff that starts to happen. I don't care how much talent you have. You start second-guessing yourself at this level. And that can be the difference between winning and losing. Interesting, though, for the Riders. They do have, it appears, some pretty good Canadian talent. They've talked about maybe having two Canadian receivers start. There's only three American receivers on the starting roster right now, so I think that's where you're going to see the Rough Riders go. They'll probably have a couple of Canadian starting receivers in their lineup. Uh, so that's that's an interesting thing to look at. And before I let you go on the BC Lions side of things, Who's a couple of, you know, you talked about Lucky Whitehead, but a couple of uh, a new names that fans haven't seen that maybe we should keep our eye on. Well, here we go. I'm going to give you um, the one guy that everybody talks about, um, and I'm, I'm anxious. We got a chance to talk to him uh, and interview him before, uh, during training camp, and he's a great kid and a great story. His name is Boom Guachum. Okay. Uh, so for a defensive lineman to be named Boom, Boom. that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but listen, this kid actually – he went to Oregon State. He was there as a receiver. Okay, he's six foot five. Wow. He's two hundred and sixty pounds now. But he was a he was a re- starting receiver at Oregon State um, for like three years before he moved to the defensive line. So he started late as a defensive lineman. But man, oh man, is he long and he's fast. He reminds me uh, a little bit. I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say he's he's going to replicate it, but he reminds me a lot of Willie Jefferson, that long okay. and lean, fast guy with long arms. Um, the other guy that I'm going to say is if you're, and I know you are, you're a fan of Last Chance You. Yep. Right? Yep. Season two. Yep. Tim Bonner. Oh, okay. He's a defensive lineman um, who's come a long way. Uh, he's a real character. Uh, he's another guy that uh, has impressed at training camp. And, and again, all these guys, I think what... Um, you know, has jumped out to me is 
They're a lot of the same body type, but they have the ability to play in a lot of multiple positions. And so um, those are a couple of guys. The other guy, too, I think uh, most people, I think you're going to notice him right away, too, is Jordan Williams, who's their, who was their number one right. draft pick from East Carolina, the middle linebacker, who has lived up to all the billing. You know, he's a guy that goes from sideline to sideline. He's fast. He's, he's very intuitive. He's tough to block. Uh, and I would expect that he's going to be a, 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 you know, a future star in this league. You know, he reminds me of, uh, like, say, a guy like Hanok Mwamba, right. who is you know, just a, a very, very good football player who goes from sideline to sideline. And you know, that, to have a Canadian who plays in that position is, is going to be huge for them. Game changer. Okay, so I made my prediction, Lions by 10. What do you got? I'm going to go. I, I, I do think the Lions have a chance here, and, and, but I think it's going to be tighter. I think that uh, it's they're going to be lines by three. I don't have a good feel about the riders early on here. I really don't. The coach wasn't happy with their conditioning. <laughs> Part of that, I guess, would be the coaching staff's problem. But he wasn't ha- <laughs> he wasn't happy with the conditioning at the green and white scrimmage. And uh, I don't know, man. I think uh, just feels like a lack of a preseason could hurt them. I don't know. I think it's going to be exciting, but it's going to be ugly. Thanks for this, Julio. I appreciate it, man. Always, buddy. Thank you very much. We welcome you back to the Aquatic Center, where it appears some of the athletes are taking a break and sitting in a hot tub. No, Jim. Actually, it's to sustain body temperature and to keep their muscles loose. Well, Al, if that's true, let me circle a couple of things on the screen. Why would those be poking out? Jim, I've told you, don't use the Telestrator to circle stuff like that. Just trying to make a point. And obviously they are. Stop making arrows. And someone told me for COVID precautions, this year the hot tub is filled with hand sanitizer. That is not true. It's just hot water. No, that's what I was told. I wrote it down when they told me. It's right here, Al. Take a look at that. Oh, whoops. Popped in the face there accidentally, didn't I, Al? Let's get back down to the pool. Here with second-year BC Lion, Jamel Lyles. Uh, guys have had an interesting training camp. Kind of got cut short by the fire. Uh, just tell me about that. Yeah, unfortunately, things uh, didn't end the way we'd like to, but uh, we got a lot of stuff done during camp, and it was a great experience, and we just took things day by day, and yeah. Second year for you, second head coach. How have you found things under uh, Rick Campbell and his coaching staff? Oh, it was absolutely amazing. Um, he's a smart dude. Coach Campbell's a very genuine down-to-earth guy and he set the standards for this training camp and um coach Masimic, our offensive coordinator he put together some great players and some great tools and uh he's a also a very smart guy and the schemes he has us running I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to this year we so, definitely have a great group of players i was gonna ask you that jamel how, how do things change under under coach now the new offensive coordinator Masimic, in terms of uh, schematics is it going to be more of a short passing game what are we looking at here because that was the one problem with the lions protection on the quarterback if you can keep michael riley up you guys are going to be successful Oh, absolutely, and that's just the main focus. We're just worried about individually doing our job and executing what Coach Masimic has put on the table for us, and uh, of course, we're trying to keep Mike Riley up straight, and that's exactly what we're going to focus on, but again, we have the guys and the tools in place, and we're just going to go execute our jobs. How is this Jamel Lyles in this training camp different from the guy who was back in camp two years ago, I guess, already now in 2019? Well, yeah, as we all experienced, we went through a world pandemic, and uh a lot of stuff happened to individuals, and man, it's just been a long time since I've been on the field. 
and I'm just super confident. I'm approaching the game with a different clarity, and honestly, I'm just excited to be back. And, uh, yeah, it's been a long time, man. It's just been a long time. What didn't you like about the game uh, before that you're now, okay, I'll put up with it because I missed the game so much. Is there something maybe you didn't like about the game, but you're like, yeah, I don't care, man. I'll do two days. I'll run 50 wind sprints. I just want to play football. Oh, no. I, I love the game. I've been playing it since I was five, six years old, uh, and that will never change. You know what I mean? And I'll be done with the game when I'm done having fun with it. And right now I'm loving it, and I'm just grateful to be back. And like I said, I definitely do have a confidence and a different mental clarity. And I'm just looking forward to being back out there. How are you a better football player? Like, what did you do in the pandemic not to waste, quote-unquote, the crisis and get better through it? What did what did you recognize as an area or two that you maybe needed to improve? Oh, uh, I definitely focused on my pass pro throughout the offseason and just understanding defensive fronts and identifying defenses. And then obviously on a physical standpoint, I just took it day by day. You know, it was a long two years. I made sure it wasn't overtraining, but at the same time, I got my work done, and it was a it was a journey, absolutely. But I definitely focused on taking care of things that I needed to get better. Did you train a lot by yourself, or did you hook up with fellow uh, athletes or trainers to kind of get you through that and keep you motivated? For most of the pandemic, it was uh, mostly myself and just going to the facility and working out with the team and a couple other guys that were in town through off season. But uh, other than that, I had a couple of coaches and a couple of my uh, friends. Uh, parents that I was working with so that was just good man I just like I said I took it day by day and didn't really uh, I set the standard high and I definitely definitely am ready to play who uh, turned you on to the football game you know you said at the age of five who got you interested how did you get interested honestly uh, it was my mom man my mom and her friend uh, her kid put um, they both put us in uh, football and we just ended up falling in love with the game and then Growing up, I loved Reggie Bush and stuff like that when he was at USC, man, and uh, <laughs> it kind of it kind of just took away from there. Hey, wh- what does it mean to you to be a BC kid, a Surrey kid, and play for the BC Lions? Oh, it's unbelievable. Um, I'll definitely say uh, words can't describe that feeling and that opportunity. Like I keep saying, I'm very grateful to be here yeah. and play for my hometown, you know what I mean? And not a lot of people get that opportunity, and I realize what I have in front of me, and I'm, I know if anybody else had the opportunity like me, they would maximize and utilize everything they had to produce what they needed to do, you know? So yeah. it's awesome. Yeah, you mentioned Reggie Bush, and a lot of young guys look up to NFL guys because they're promoted more. Did you look up to any BC Lions? And second part of the question, Jamel, is would you kind of take it on as a kind of a, a role model type thing where you uh, be the inspiration for a young kid in Surrey or in the Okanagan or who knows to want to be a, a BC Lion because that kid did it and he's from Surrey, BC? <laughs> yeah, I never really looked at it like that. But at the same time, growing up, uh, a young kid in BC. I definitely looked up to Andrew Harris. You know, what I mean, he was a back out here for a while, and he definitely motivated me and inspired me from a CFL standpoint. That being a Canadian kid, you can set the standard and you can succeed. You know what I mean? You can. Anything is really possible. So that's the biggest thing that I got. And then uh, as for the role model thing, thing, uh, yeah, of course I want to be that guy that kids can look up to and that inspire them. But at the same time, a big message that I have for kids is. Be yourself, you know. At the end of the day, uh, look up to athletes and mimic maybe what they do in training. But, like, at the end of the day, you're going to be the next you, you know. So that's what I'm trying to do, and I'm just trying to be the next Jamel Lyles, right? So, And you like to do, I hear, gardening besides football (laughs) to get away from football. Tell me about that. You know, that's actually funny. When I got home from camp, uh, my tomatoes were uh, (laughs) – 
fully grown almost. So that, and then my garden was almost three times the size. So I'm thankful for my mom and what she did to take care of it while I was away. But yeah, I've been uh, growing a couple different herbs and vegetables and I actually had some strawberries that did well. And yeah. How did you get into gardening? Your mom? Uh, uh, yeah, actually back in the day in Fraser Heights, uh, little city out here yeah our backyard she'd always garden so uh now obviously help and mow the lawn all the time and i did my neighbor's lawn so i was always out in the yard when i was younger so will we get like a landscaping business or some sort of yard care business out of this or what oh yes absolutely that's funny you asked too um i don't want to say too much right now because i am focused on the season ahead you know what i mean and i do have high standards for this year so I'm focused on that. But at the same time, yeah, there's going to be something in the works in the future for sure. That's awesome, man. And uh, and maybe you'll ha- have a star presence uh, from being on the field and people will hire you to want to talk football while you cut their grass and, and, organize, <laughs> yeah. and organize their yard. But that leads me to another question here. During the pandemic, a lot of people realized, well, maybe I'm done with football or they found something else to do. I know you love football i get that but you also know that it's a short shelf life you got a whole life to lead once you're done football even if it's your mid-30s did you think a lot about life after football during this downtime oh and that was another thing for sure that's what i was saying with uh the whole two years off in the world pandemic and the things that all of us individuals as human beings went through uh yeah there was lots of self-care and a lot of alone time where you reflect and you really open your mind you know what i mean so I definitely thought about life after football because at the end of the day, the game does end. You know what I mean? And us as athletes, pro athletes, whatever it is, you do realize that at one point, you know? And, of course, in my position, what I have to offer, I'm not anywhere close to done. You know what I mean? Like, I'm going to be grateful to be here, and I'm going to do what I can to stay here. Honestly, uh, there was lots of uh, self-reflection, I would say, for sure. All right, so I'm uh, not not any big revelation here, but I'm just starting to do this mindfulness stuff. My mind really wanders, and so it kind of goes off in different directions. And one of the things, the chapters I was reading, it says, you know, like for instance, eat a eat a strawberry and think about all that went into producing the strawberry and picking the strawberry and putting it on the truck and think about that with each bite. Is that kind of like how gardening is for you, therapeutic? You think about things and the whole process? Just talk, just walk me through that because uh, I know I talked to Warren Moon, the former CFL and NFL great. He used to bake cookies before games to relieve stress. Just talk about how that relieves your stress. Yeah, and man, that's awesome. That's uh. That's what I mean. Athletes have their own way of coping with things and realizing things. So, yeah, I will definitely say I do have a life comparison with my gardening. I definitely look at it like every single day, if you don't water your plants, if you don't do this, if you don't nurture and give it love, in a sense, it's not going to grow, correct? And if you mm-hmm. do, if you apply that exact same thing to life and sports or school, your career, whatever that might be, if you day in, day out, you take care of your business and you do what you'd have to do, to make sure you're successful, then, you know, things, the blueprints are already in place and things will fall into place, you know? So that, that's kind of how I look at gardening. And at the same time, I listen to the old school jams and stuff like that. And it's nice. Okay. Give me some old school jams. Give me a couple. Uh, definitely, uh, return of the Mac. Uh, everybody loves sunshine type of vibe. Mm Um, uh, I believe I can fly is honestly one of my favorites. Nice. Uh, R. Kelly, it's a little bit older, but it's yeah. not too old. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, there's a couple more. Uh, kind of put me on the spot there. So. So the BC Lions. A lot of people I talk to have you guys picked for the bottom of the division or near bottom of the division. Is this a team? Do you think that people are sleeping on? Honestly, um, 
we're not too worried about the opinions of others and we're not really focused on where people have us ranked and going into the season. Uh, we're worried about doing our jobs and making sure we execute what we need to do. And uh, everything, like I keep saying, everything will take care of itself at that point. And, uh, man, we do have... We do have something to prove, and we're looking forward to playing this year, and we're just focusing on ourselves, man. That's all I can say. No, that's good. <laughs> I'll squeeze in one more here. September the 13th, 2019, you made your debut against Ottawa, I believe. What was that like to get into a football game, a Canadian Football League uh, actual game after being an, an eighth-round pick and being on the practice roster and waiting your time and getting on there? What was that like? Um, Again, that was just uh, – I was grateful to be there, and one thing that I pride myself on is uh, chop wood and carry water. It's that simple. So my opportunity came later than it was, uh, but at the same time, you know, I was just patiently waiting, and at the same time this year, I'm just here to contribute and do what I can for this football team to ultimately lead us up to the main goal, and we all know what that is, you know what I mean? So. Uh, yeah, that's that. Well, I watched you at, in Can West football with Manitoba, and you were a star. How... how um. How different is that for, for you, being a star and then coming to the CFL and realizing you're not the best player on the field anymore, you're, you're good, I'm not saying that, but you're not the best player on the field anymore and you got to, like you said, chop wood, carry water. Is that a different kind of uh, thing to adjust to? Um, yeah, that's always been the approach. Uh, I've never really focused on the labels being a star in university, you know what I mean? I've never really seen it like that. I just, like I keep saying, I just put in my work. I go through ups and downs in life like everybody else does. And uh, at the end of the day, when we step on the football field, it's best foot forward type of vibe. And, yeah, University of Manitoba was a great experience. Um, and then uh, being able to get drafted here and play pro fo- football for my hometown team, you know what I mean? And it's the same approach, you know. I'm not really worried about who's this and who's that. We're just all here for a collective goal. And, man, I'm really confident in myself and my ability to perform. So, we just go from there. Well, this guy here is growing a good garden, and he's growing into a great football player and a fine young man, Jamel Lyles. Uh, continued success. I had fun talking to you, buddy. Hey, I appreciate you, man. I really appreciate you and uh, for letting me come on the show, man. And I'm looking forward to week one, man. Well, yes, football is back. And these are the top reasons, in my opinion, football is better than sex. Your wife is actually interested in football. Illegal use of hands only results in a loss of yards, not the loss of your career. Football players are praised for running a 40-yard dash in 4.3 seconds. You last 4.3 seconds in bed, you're a laughing stock. Another top reason football is better than sex. When you get dominated in football, it doesn't cost you 300 bucks an hour. (laughs) Or so I've heard. People don't judge you for enjoying football in public. That's another reason why football is better than sex. And this is the top reason, according to me, that football is better than sex. At least football happens once a week. Just the fourth pass interference call against the Lions this year. Counting out of the hands, and there is Dante Marsh with a block. And it's going to be a pick six for the veteran. 29th career interception, almost on cue. 80-yard return for the 10-year veteran. This is Lions Legends, a trip down memory lane with a player, coach, or builder that left their mark on BC Lions history.
Talking with one of the best defenders in the secondary in the CFL probably in the last 20 years, Dante Marsh, formerly of your BC Lions. Mr. Marsh, how do I find you today? How are you doing? I'm phenomenal. <laughs> well, that, that's great. Now, now, what are you doing now these days? I understand you're in the coaching game. Yeah, um, I just resigned from my defensive coordinator position at a junior college in Stockton. Um, I have some other uh, opportunities, but currently we, we, we've opened a, a, a training facility, a gym, um, myself along with Lavelle Hawkins and Tim Brown. Mm-hmm. And uh, I work in the school district at the high school, and I do, uh, I'm a certified notary slash loan signing agent. So, I, and I'm an entrepreneur. I do a lot of things. Nice. Were you? Did you? Did you always have that entrepreneurial spirit? Yes, absolutely. Back in '86, I want to say second or third grade, uh, I used to beg my parents when we go grocery shopping to buy uh, a pound of sugar and a bunch of little Ziploc baggies. And uh, back then, Kool Aid was like five packs of Kool Aid for a quarter. Yeah, and then I would mix it all up and tie it up and sell it at school. That is outstanding, man. Uh, so, <laughs> back to coaching for a second. Were you were you like a coach on the field up here in the CFL? And I guess further to that question, Dante, how long did it take you to kind of be like a coach on the field? I I, I don't know. Uh, coach Johnny Holland said, Dante, yeah, you you know, you ever thought about coaching when you're down playing? I'm like, man, hell no, I ain't, I'm, nah, nah, not me. But he said, well, you should really think about it because you, you're very detailed. You're, you keep your body in phenomenal shape. You, 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 you take notes. And, you know, I was 35 at the time, you know, towards the end. So he was saying, you, 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 you haven't even noticed you've been coaching the last three or four years of your career because the DBs aren't asking the coach what to do. They're asking you. And I was like, ah, that makes sense. So um, I kind of got persuaded into coaching. Now, you, you talk about taking care of your body, Dante, uh, and you talk about having a training business now. Where did that come from? Did you always have an eye on looking after your body, using it as your tool, or did you kind of grow into that? No, I, I was always fascinated with uh, the body. Like when I was a little kid, I used to beg my parents to buy uh, muscle mags at the checkout. You know, those things were like six ninety nine, seven dollars $7 a pop. <laughs> and I, uh, you know, the old, the old school uh, GI Joe uh, figurines and stuff like that. I always wanted to, you know, man. When I get bigger, I want to have muscles like this. So I kind of, from a young age, I was always doing push-ups and stuff. You know, trying to gain an edge. Obviously, back in the '80s and '90s, uh, trainers really weren't abundant. We didn't have those type of resources. So I've always been, you know, into it. And then Chris Boyko, who was our strength and conditioning coach in BC and a good friend of mine, about my ninth, tenth year in the league, he said, uh, man, Dante, you ever thought about bodybuilding or doing competitions? I was like, man, hell no. <laughs> he was like, no, I'm serious, man. You you can do it. So you got a good, a nice physique. So I kind of just, you know, people saying things to me, pointing them out, I kind of ran with it. 
I mean, but I never, I never, you know, thought I would compete or anything like that, but I could have. So I just, I, I was always a gym rat anyway. How has it changed for an athlete from when you played and, you know, coming up in the 80s, you talked about third, fourth grade and into your formative years in, in the 90s playing, playing football, playing sports. How has it changed for an athlete as opposed to today? I'm talking in terms of training, in terms of looking out for your body. I find a lot of guys are doing a lot more stretching now, a lot more yoga, that type of stuff. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, I went back and got my master's degree two years ago uh, in strength and conditioning. Uh, so just so I could have the education and support all this great experience I have accrued over the years. I would say the biggest thing now, guys like myself didn't exist when I was coming up. Um, if they did, they cost a, a, a hell of a whole lot of money. The resources out there are, 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 are excellent. Like, you know, uh, the nutrition aspect of it, a lot of, the, a lot of the stretching, as you alluded to just a second ago, with the yoga, the Bikram yoga, high yoga. There's so many different things that an athlete can do today that was never even thought of 30, 40 years ago. Thus, why athletes are bigger, faster, stronger, more explosive, and injuries don't last that long. So it's, just, it's just an entirely different ball game. I know back in the 60s and 70s, guys were smoking cigarettes in the locker room in, of NFL guys. <laughs> don't, hey, don't laugh. I watched the 1977 Grey Cup, and the Montreal head coach was smoking on the sidelines. That's how much things have changed. It's crazy, man. Crazy, right. crazy. Right. Hey, hey, Dante, Julio Caravada told me that he was talking to you back in your BC Lion days, and maybe he got this right, maybe he didn't, but you can clear it up. We were talking about how guys come from the States, and they think maybe the CFL is a Bush League, and they'll be here for a cup of coffee, get their tape together, and boom, they're back in the NFL where they want to be. And nobody can fault an American kid for wanting to play in the NFL. That's what you grew up knowing, but... He told me, you said, man, I thought I'd come here, I'd, I'd, I'd play a few games, get my tape together, head back down south, but this league is no joke. Do you remember saying that? Absolutely. I mean, I mean, my plan went the way I wanted it to go. I, after my second year, Herman Edwards signed me in Kansas City, me and Casey Brenners. Uh, I just didn't stay because they didn't want to give me a signing bonus. Right. So... I, it, everything worked out the way I thought it would. Um, I did end up having a the Hall of Fame type of career up there, um, which I, I never expected. I knew I would do well given given the opportunity. Uh, but yeah, I was I was I was sadly mistaken, thinking that I was going to come up there and just dominate from day one. My first few games, they they didn't go so well. So. <laughs> uh, you know, it, 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 it ended up turning out pretty good, though. No, and like I tell people all the time, there's a, um, especially from the defensive back aspect, you have to be able to run and you got to be able to cover. It's a lot harder to cover in the Canadian Football League than it is in the National Football League due to the to the motion of the receivers, due to the larger the dimensions of the field. It's just it's it's, it's a little more tough to cover all that space up there. Uh, in Canada, opposed to a smaller field down here. Hey, come on, Dante. You're you were an amazing defensive back, but even you, when you got here, probably looked at that motion and looked at the, especially the end zone, the American end zone, small. If if say the opposing teams on the ten yard line, they got the wide field and they got what basically is a tarmac in the end zone. You got a lot of space to cover, man. Twenty yards instead of ten. Yeah. So you know, it, you know, when the ball is snapped, 
and you know, obviously everybody's in shotgun up there. Yeah. Uh, a, a, a real mobile quarterback can run around, and it turns into a street game. So, <laughs> yeah. you, like I said, you have to be uh, very, very athletic. You have to be in shape, and you got to be able to run. No kidding. Hey, what did you think of your time in Vancouver? Sum it up for me. Sum it up for Lion fans. When you think of Vancouver, you think of the BC Lions organization. What does Dante Marsh think about? I loved it. I, I still, I still love it to this day. I'm a, I'm a West Coast kid. I'm, a, I'm, I'm born and raised in Oakland, California. So, I'm a Bay Area guy. So, when I got up to uh, BC in 2004, it instantly reminded me of. Think of San Francisco and Berkeley kind of fused together. Because if you're talking about Grant downtown or Granville Street, for those that have been down here in the Bay Area, if you've ever been to Berkeley, California, up around Telegraph by Cal, uh, by the university, it's very, uh, it re- they resemble each other a lot. <laughs> hmm. You got your skateboarders, your free, free spirit, hippie people, street vendors, the little uh, one off shops. You know, it, it, it really puts you in that mind frame. So it was really home away from home, kind of. I, I didn't realize I was in Canada, a whole other country, oftentimes being in B.C. The only time I would really feel that way is when we went to, like, Calgary, Saskatchewan, Montreal. Then you knew, okay, I'm in another country. But for the most part, B.C. is just like a, another another place just like California. What did you think about the mentality of CFL fans in general? You mentioned Saskatchewan, you mentioned Calgary. Like, what was it like going on the road to the prairies and playing in, like, Regina and Winnipeg where they, you know, eat, sleep, and breathe football? Regina was tough, man, especially old Taylor Field with the AstroTurf. <laughs> I'm so glad they got that shit, that, that shit up out of there. <laughs> I, I relish the moments we got to compete in those hostile environments. I recall one game, maybe 20... 2008 or 2009 or 10, one of those years, um, I uh, stripped uh, one of the receivers. It was like a bang-bang play. He caught like a hitch, and I ripped the ball from him, and it was a turnover. I'm celebrating me and Corey Banks, and I run to our sideline, and I think I kicked the football into the stands or threw it in the stands, and then about 30 seconds later, they start throwing beer at us, so they had to stop the game yes. for like five or ten minutes. <laughs> I was, you know <laughs> what, Ma- you know what, Matt? I was mad at you because I was reporting on the visitor sidelines here at our local broadcast in Regina, and I got hit with a couple of beer cans. I'm like, Dante, look what you did, man! You said, "What are you doing, man? You don't do, you don't poke the drunk fans on the sidelines, or they're just gonna get at you." But you know what? That's what you're not making. You're not making millions of dollars uh, uh, up here. So that's part of the fun, isn't it, getting into it with the fans? Well, yeah, I mean, and just to make it clear, for nine of my 11 years in Vancouver, I made six figures. So yeah. you can make a pretty decent living up there. I mean, yeah. for five months of work, you're making, you know, $130,000, $150,000. That's not too bad. That's not too damn shabby. No, that that's for sure. Absolutely right, man. For sure. Okay, I'm going to ask you a question. Which one do you remember more, the 2006 Grey Cup or the 2011 home gray cup i really like that one the the joint was rock and you guys knock off the blue bombers in that game yeah the the, the 2011 is, is is a special one um the 06 one was special too because we just we were just pure dominant in the 2006 season i mean we had multiple all-stars i think nine of the nine of the 12 guys on defense were making six-figure salary like that 2016 was stacked yeah 
Um, the 2011 team is a little bit more special because it's more Cinderella style, and it'll never be duplicated ever in any pro sport, I believe. And I say that we were like what one in six. We were, you know, at our makeshift stadium at Old Empire, and we finally got back in the BC place when they retrofitted the roof. Um, you know, it was it was just a you know. We were down, injured receivers, ended up getting Arlen Bruce and Tag Corner Gay. He ended up running the one then hosting the Great Cup at home in front of our fans, sixty thousand plus, and it was just amazing. It didn't even feel like a like a like a championship game, you know, where you get the jitters. Yeah. Because it was a home game. We kinda of felt like, you know, no disrespect to Winnipeg, they had a very good squad. But we the game won before we stepped on the field. We we were that confident because it was Hey, lastly, Dante, how do you want to be remembered by BC Lion fans? When they think Dante Marsh, how do you want to be remembered? Uh, one of the best DBs that ever played for that organization and the league. Um, I'm, 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 I'm eagerly waiting. I got a phone call a year ago or before COVID from the uh, Hall of Fame. I'm on the ballot. I'm, I'm being voted on, so... I can't wait to uh, actually get voted in and, you know, get back up there to Hamilton and enjoy the festivities of that. I just, you know, I want the BC Lions fans to know that 31 laid it on the line every game. He certainly did, and he will definitely be remembered in the team's legacy, and I can't wait to see you get into the uh, Hall of Fame. Thanks for this, man, and good luck in your ventures. I appreciate it. Hey, you're ever in Regina, I'll buy some Kool-Aid off you. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Thanks, buddy. Take care. now for Homegrown, a segment featuring an amateur athlete, coach, or builder helping grow the game of football in BC. All right, our Homegrown segment now with the uh, president of Football Canada, Jim Mullins, as we kick off this fourth quarter of Restore the Roar. How are you, buddy? Good, good. How are you, Bob? Good. Nice to talk to you, man. Football Canada, we're looking at an inaugural kind of weekend in October. Can you can you fill us in a little more on that? Because that really caught my eye. I thought that was interesting. It's something you've kind of been working on for a long time. Yeah, football weekend in Canada, uh, October 15th, 16th, and 17th. Uh, I think we have a game so big that we can't necessarily just commit one day to it now, can we? And mm-hmm. certainly when it comes to football, there's a... Uh, there's a different framing around Friday nights, Saturday afternoons, Sunday afternoons. So we thought we'd go in that direction. Now, 
I think in the first year, we're going to start small, uh, mainly because of managing resources, getting things up off the ground, especially, uh, uh, you know, post-pandemic, if we want to say we're post-pandemic right now. Right. We're going to focus on five stories uh, from across the country. And, uh, you know, through the Crown Gridiron Nation program that is uh, coming back September 1st on TSN, uh, we'll do some pre-promotion of it and, and certainly uh, get a lot more mileage out of the footballcanada.com website uh, to promote football at all levels, not just the CJ, not just U uh, Sports, and not just the crossover to the CFL, but, for instance, our women's flag team that's in camp right now getting ready for a world championship in Jerusalem in, in December, um, or our men's team, or Aboriginal uh, football in the country. Uh, you know, we're looking at, at a number of options to talk about those communities as well. So, you know, football is uh, bigger than just one code of the game, and we want to start being able to communicate that. And I think this is a good starting point for growing something larger down the road. I love uh, I love that, man. How have you found breaking down the barriers between the different – you've always talked about silos and football operating in silos. How have you found breaking down the barriers between, let's say, CJ and U Sports or, or bringing some of these other groups to light? <laughs> Well, I think by creating associate membership in Football Canada where those groups come to the table at the same time a couple of years, uh, a couple of times a year rather, uh, has been uh, a positive. Uh, they get to face each other. They get to have those discussions. So, so that's a good thing. Unfortunately, I think sometimes the, we still have organizations going in their, in their own direction without seeing the bigger picture. And... Uh, I think it will continue to be a challenge. Um, certainly, we've knocked off some of those challenges over the last two years. But I'll give you a for instance. And, mm-hmm. and quite frankly, it's another pandemic wrinkle that, that's happened because the Canadian Junior Football League has, uh, has been forced to kind of start later and finish later. Right now on the schedule, the Canadian Bowl is, is going to be played at the very same time as the Vanier Cup. Like, mm. just just think about that for yeah. a second. Yeah. Like, you know, um, I, I'm sure there's an accommodation that can be made where one starts at, uh, uh, at 1 o'clock Eastern and the other one starts at 4 Eastern uh, and maybe turn it in, into something uh, special for, for a day that, uh, that people can watch either on their TV or online. But, you know, to, to, to have that, that overlap right now existing the way it is where we have two national championship games dividing the audience across the country. I mean, you know, we have to be better than that as a sport and, and as a community. Yeah, no, absolutely. You mentioned Aboriginals. You know, Aboriginals, a lot of great athletes in the Indigenous community that slipped through the cracks for one reason or another. That's one area where football can be growing, I believe. Yeah, I, and, and, you know, uh, it starts with two things. I think it starts with... Uh, uh, role models, and then it's and then it's with champions in, in the community. I think we're very fortunate in that one of our board members, Jason Lafferty, is of uh, uh, First Nations background, and he'll be working uh, on our diversity side and our, our coaching development side starting this year. Uh, he's based out of uh, based out of Edmonton. Uh, I think there's a lot of inroads uh, to be made uh, into the Aboriginal uh, communities uh, across the country and especially across uh, Western Canada. You know, we have uh, a player in the in, in the NFL, Eli Anku, who is uh, 
uh, former uh, Team Canada member, actually, who is um, of uh, First Nations origin, who has who has talked about uh, uh, that side of uh, his life and his heritage uh, quite openly. Um, Lamar Goods, Benny Goods' son, who was playing down in Florida, is a is a is another role model. Uh, his uh, Benny Goods' uh, wife and and Lamar's uh, mother. Uh, is Métis, and he's uh, talked about uh, uh, that part of his heritage coming out of Fort McMurray, Alberta. So, you know, there, there's, there's, there's the role models there. I think where we've had uh, success in Aboriginal football in pockets, like, for instance, Prince Edward Island, believe it or not, is, is, a, is a great pocket of success for us in terms of Aboriginal development. That's because we have an individual on the ground there as a coach and an organizer uh, uh, from within the community that has really stepped up. That, that, that's what we need to foster, and, and it's going to take time, and it's going to take work, and it's going to take focus and energy. But uh, from my perspective, as, as long as, uh, as, long as I'm, I'm around, it's going to be a top priority for us at Football Canada. It's good to hear. Okay, Jim, you uh, tweeted this out, and I agree with you. Um, it's it's going to be interesting to see if the passion everybody's exuded about our game and protecting Canadians. You and I both have talked about this, but I think we have been pretty constant with that over the years. But a lot of other people have stepped up, just individuals in the general public. Oh, Canadians, we got to protect our Canadians, and we can't turn it all over to the XFL. It'll be interesting to see if that passion continues now, quote-unquote, post-pandemic and post-XFL. Well, it's easy to write a hashtag, isn't it? Yeah. Um, you know, uh, it's another thing entirely to either step up as a consumer, which is probably the easiest thing to do in terms of uh, supporting your, your, your local CFL team or your U Sports team or your CJFL team or your WWCFL team, for that matter. Right. Um, and and it, it's, it's easy to step up and show up to a game, buy a ticket, buy a T-shirt, buy a hot dog. You know, but if you've got a skill set or a uh, relationship with the sport in your past, you know, think about stepping up as a coach or an organizer or an official. Um, you know, if you profess to love the uh, love the game that much, you know, hashtag play our game, yeah. then be part of that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, find the time. I know that, you know, we're in a world right now where it's much harder find the time to do anything uh you know a lot of those nine to five boundaries have been uh, uh have been dissolved uh that being said if you really care about that uh, the game that much and you're willing to take the social media uh, about it maybe for a few hours a week put down the phone and and commit yourself to the game very well said lastly uh Speaking of committed to the game, there's a nice group of people headed up by my former Regina Ram teammate, Craig Briere, that are committed to the game. They brought uh, the uh, BC uh, FC, another franchise in Prince George. Just your thoughts on the uh, Kodiaks. Well, I think it's uh, fantastic what they're doing up in Prince George because they've, they've got the facility there. Uh, they've got a community that is the right size, that is willing to step up. And with all due respect to UNBC, outside of the uh, outside of the two uh, hockey teams, the Junior A team and the Western League team, there, there's uh, there's not really the athletic draw outside of hockey in that town. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that uh, that they can make some uh, great uh, great inroads there. 
they've got uh, good leadership. This has been uh, this has been uh, thought out and plotted out in a in a very methodical way. Um, and you know, it, it doesn't hurt that the um, interim leader of the opposition, Shirley Bond, uh, is is out of Prince George and is. Uh, and is probably the biggest BC Lions fan in the legislature. Although the the premier John Horgan might <laughs> might challenge her for that, um, you know. So so there's there's some political will there. There's some leaders in the business community that are that are behind it, and and there's some great grassroots organization. Uh, I, I do believe that uh, that they need to uh, focus uh, on on community development. Um, and 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 developing players from within their own community. There have been some good players out of Prince George uh, over the years, but uh, they need a larger base. Uh, probably starting with Flag at a, at a younger age and being patient with that, and then migrating players over into into tackle mm-hmm. is, is essential for them. Because I think what we've seen in, in BC is, uh, especially at the at the junior level at the BCFC, you take an organization like the the one in Kamloops. They are highly dependent on bringing players in from the prairies and other parts of the country. Uh, they, 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 they need to, uh, with all the BCFC teams, they need to make sure that they can develop their own base uh, to create something that's sustainable and connected to the community. And I think that'll be their uh, formula for success. Jim, thanks for this. Uh, look forward to talking to you down the road. I really appreciate the work you do at the uh, Football Canada level. Thank you. Thanks, Ballsy. Anytime. Well, it's great to be back talking BC Lions football. For the first time since 2019, can you believe it? Next week, we're going to break down a game and get ready for a second game. This is outstanding. Should be a great contest between the Lions and the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. I'd like to thank Julio Caravata, Jamel Lyles, Dante Marsh, and Jim Mullen for joining me. Thank you for checking out this installment of Restore the Roar. Please share this with all your football friends and family, especially in the BC area, as we try to give the Lions and the sport of football the coverage it deserves in the beautiful province of BC. Can't wait to talk to you next week. Like I said, enjoy week one. This has been Restore the Roar podcast. If you have a story idea you'd like the guys to pursue, email Michael Ball at mball at harvardbroadcasting.com. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.